Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 108, where in a moment, we're hoping to answer the question, is now a good time to buy a home? That's on the way, like I say, in just a second. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in exactly the right place because we've got an enormous resource of free advice. It's all right here. You can access it just by delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we've featured loads of stuff. Pensions, investing, wills, powers of attorney, loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we reviewed the mini-budget of 2022. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm Joe Ellis, and with me as always, whenever Phil's off, it's Phil's colleague, Andrew Schooler. Hi, Andrew. Hi, John. Um, good to be along again. Yeah, absolutely. Don't know how we're going to tackle this, but let's, uh, let's give it a bash anyway. Now, in, uh, in Phil's notes to me for this show, he typed at the top, is now a good time to buy a home? Is water wet? Is darts a sport? Is now a good time to buy a home? I'm going to guess that means overall he was still pretty confident about the market. That being said, it was over a week ago when he wrote that. Wow, there some week. Alaska anyway, Andrew, is now a good time to buy a home? I guess if you're not relying on a mortgage to do that, it might be. It, you know, it, it's a really interesting question because you've got two ways to think about this. You've got somebody who is renting a property who doesn't have an asset and then is looking to get onto the property ladder. Is it a good time for them to buy property? If it's affordable and if they can afford the mortgage repayments, absolutely, it's a good time to be buying. It, it's kind of like the same with investing. There's an old phrase that financial advisors use. It's time in the market, not timing the market. So is there going to be a better time to buy a property? You'll only know that with hindsight. So you'll only be able to look back and say, oh, I wish I bought a property then. That would have been great. But if you can afford to buy a property, and you can afford the mortgage repayments, absolutely, why not? Why shouldn't you be buying a property? Hmm. Yeah, the thing is, though, Andrew, with interest rates increasing, that means paying more in a mortgage for the homeowner, probably a, a more difficult starting position for the buyer. And and often, lenders being more reticent to offer deals. I mean, they've been falling off. It's like a house of cards this week. But what would you see happening with interest rates in the coming months or further beyond? Yeah, it, it's a really interesting one because, you know, we've had record low interest rates for the last 14 years. So since 2008, we've had ridiculously low interest rates. But prior to that point in time, interest rates were far, far higher. I remember being a mortgage advisor prior to the banking crisis. Base rate was at 5.75%. People were still buying properties. Um, the issue is we have been lulled into this ridiculously low lending interest rates for, for, for any kind of lending, but we're speaking about mortgages, but um, ridiculously low interest rates for uh, mortgages. If anybody's listening and they're a similar age to myself, ask their parents about what interest rates were in the 70s and 80s. And interest rates were up at 17%. They still managed to buy a property. 
they still managed to manage it. So what you've got to look at is what is this going to cost? What could it cost in the future? Is it going to be affordable? So, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but what do I think is going to happen with regards to interest rates of the next week? Well, we're going to, we're going to see them increase. There's no two ways about it. Um, are we going to see them go up back up to 6% potentially? Because that's what they were before the banking crisis in 2008. How quickly will they get there? I hope it's not too quickly because it will be a massive shock to the system. The, the issue that you will then have is interest rates go up very, very quickly. We're then in a position where people are coming off a fixed rate. who've been paying a very low amount. They're then going to be paying a very high amount. And, and that's, that's really going to be the biggest issue. So hopefully it's done slowly. But the Bank of England have got to try and get inflation under control. And this is a classic way of doing it. Mm. What about house prices, Andrew? I mean, with everything going up, you'd expect house prices to rise as well. But I wonder if inflation means house prices have to drop in order to get any sales at all. I mean, how does it work? What are your predictions there? Yeah, and, and again, it, it, it could go one of two directions. <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to put my pessimistic hat on. And I think that the uncertainty over lending and the volatility in the markets, that side of things, will see the prices of houses coming down because it's going to be a little bit more difficult to sell, in my view. But there is another side to that argument, and that's the inflation argument. So if everybody who is striking at the moment gets their inflationary pay rises, you know, wages are then potentially going up by 10% and then whatever else that then they negotiate next year. In theory, they're getting more income coming in. So then, in theory, they might be able to afford a more expensive property or it could end up pushing the value of houses up. So it, it could go one of two ways. I think the former is probably the way things are going to go rather than the latter, but we'll see. You know, it, it it's really interesting. It's, it's I would say it's nigh on impossible to predict what's going to happen. Mm. I'll, 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 here's a prediction, and I'll, I'll make this one just now. The the number of people that are striking just now, you've got what everything from posties to rail workers to you know barristers, they're not all going to get a pay rise. I guess no. that's the one thing that I guarantee, or not not what they're in there for. I mean, if they've got any common sense, then they'll settle somewhere in the middle if they get an offer. But they're not all going to get what they're asking for. Simple as. Now, last week we looked at the, the, the mini budget announced in Parliament by Quasi Quarting. Stamp duty was one of the things affected as a result of that. And to complicate the issue slightly, this is a, not a one-size-fits-all piece of policy. So explain what the situation is as regards stamp duty, please. And, and it may even help to recap what stamp duty is, first of all. Yeah, absolutely. So stamp duty, we're, we're going to speak about this in two areas. We're going to speak about this in England. We're going to speak about this in Scotland. It was England and Northern Ireland and then Scotland. So stamp duty is a tax that you pay when you buy a property. Now, depending on what type of buyer you are, depends on what stamp duty you're going to pay. That, that sounds a bit vague, but bear with me. So if you're a first-time buyer, i.e. you have never owned a property before, you have one set of rules for stamp duty. If you are a home mover or a second, you know, you're buying your second property, you're moving from one property to another, 
you have another set of rules. So let's speak about first-time buyers, first of all, in England. So first-time buyers in England, um, there was an amount prior to the budget that they could get, uh, that they could buy a property for before there was any tax kicked in. And that was £300,000, so quite a generous amount before tax kicked in. That then moved up to £425,000 before stamp duty kicked in. For everyone else, there was no stamp duty paid on the, the first 100 or on properties up to 125000 That has now been moved to properties up to £250,000. And then we've got a tiered structure after that. So that's England. In Scotland, it's a little bit more complicated because we like to do things a little bit differently. There is five bands of stamp duty. Uh, so up to 145,000, no tax to be paid. 145 to 250, 2%, 250 to 325, 5%, 325 to 750, 10% and over 750,000, 12%. That's correct at time of uh, recording just now. With all my, <laughs> my disclosures in there, that side of things. But so basically that that's that's what stamp duty is at the moment. And just something that those figures were, were rushing past my ears. I thought, oh, crikey, I, you know, am I supposed to be taking this down? Like, well, if, you've, if you've done that, the, the simplest thing to say in, in any situation is if you are struggling with understanding any of this, the best place to go is to take independent mortgage and financial advice along with tax right. advice if you're buying investment properties. And those people will, will keep you right in terms of what you can afford and, and whether you're going to get a mortgage and, and all of that. So, you know, that is the place to go if you are struggling. Now, there are some general factors in all our lives that we, we should probably be querying if we're thinking about buying a home, aren't they? I mean, do you want to run through a few of those for us, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the biggest thing to think about is going to be affordability. Now, there's all sorts of calculators that different mortgage lenders will, will use when it comes to how much you can borrow. But you've also got to now factor in what happens if the interest rate doubles in five years' time? How much is this mortgage going to cost me? Is it still going to be affordable? So that's probably one of the biggest things to think about because, you know, you, you know, there's always the old saying, you know, buy as an expensive a property as you can afford. Yeah, now, but you've also got to think about the future because A, your circumstances could change. So you also need to think about your employment. What are your career objectives? Are you looking for promotions? Are you expecting your income to go up over the potentially 25, 30 years that you're going to have this mortgage? How secure is your job? That's a massive thing at the moment. Is this going to be your forever home or is this just a stepping stone to where you want to get to? Deposits, how much deposit can you afford to put down? What impact is a slightly bigger deposit going to have in your monthly repayments and the interest rate that you're going to be paying? Loads of different reasons. Why are you moving? Are you moving to get into a better catchment area for your kid's school? Are you moving for work? Is that work still going to be there in the future? Loads and loads of things to consider when you're looking at buying a house. But yeah, you know, as you said previously, a good independent mortgage advisor will be able to go through all of these things with you and be able to give you a good guidance on what you should be doing going forward. When you're considering 
looking. Let, let's just say, you know, you're thinking, right, okay, we, we need to we need to get we need to get home. Maybe it's your you're a first time bar. Let's just look at that as an example. And you think, right, well, we don't even know how much we can afford. Where where do we go to find that out? Now you can go to one or two places at that point. You can go to a lender. I, can you go to a financial advisor and say, look, what what do you think? Would you suggest starting there, Andrew? Absolutely. The great thing with an independent mortgage broker or mortgage advisor, they know all the providers that they're going to be using. Don't get me wrong, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going and seeing your bank to find out what your options are. But you've always got to remember, they will only be able to offer their own products. Mm. So, you know, they will not tell you about their competitors' mortgages or their competitors' lending rates or how much you can borrow because you're self-employed and you take dividends, etc. Going to an independent uh, advisor, they know all the all the providers and they will then be able to say, well, based on your circumstances, I believe that this is going to be the best option for you. So that, that can take a lot of the guesswork away because, as I said, you know, going to just one place that only offers one product, you don't know if you're getting the best deal unless you want to then go and research every single lender, every single product that's out there and try and work out, is there a better option for you? That's what an independent mortgage advisor does. Okay. And presumably when you do that as well, they'll be able to say to you, right, okay, so this is what you earn. These are your your outgoings. You know, This is what stacks against it. And therefore, we believe this is what you can afford to comfortably secure in a mortgage. And therefore, you can look houses up to that value uh absolutely the, the 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 process that the mortgage advisor will go through they'll look at your income they'll look at your expenditure they'll look at your 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 existing lending because that has an impact as well if you've got credit cards if you've got uh, car loans personal loans that is all going to have an impact on what you can borrow and what they'll be able to do is give you a clear idea of saying well this is realistic now it's been a while since I've been a mortgage advisor and things have changed dramatically since I, I gave advice on mortgages. But my wife used to refer to me as the dream killer. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I, I, a client would come in with these grand grand design yeah. plans, you know, TV program grand designs. And you say, oh, this is what I'm looking at doing. This is This is what I'd like to buy. And then I would look at their income and their expenditure and I'd be like, no, but there's it, it doesn't work. This is what you're going to have to look at. And you could just see them deflating. But you had to be realistic. You had to give clients a good idea of what's going to be doable because there's no point getting somebody's hopes up that, oh, yeah, I can get this. And then mm-hmm. when it actually comes to pressing the button on applying for the mortgage, then to have that conversation with the client say, well, I'm sorry, but you don't actually qualify for this and you can't get that property. So I would much rather have that conversation right at the very start and set expectations as they should be right from the start. Mm. Sitting away with a brochure for caravans and tents was maybe a little bit over the top. (laughs) (laughs) As with with all things financial, like investing or anything else, if there's one sure thing, it's that there's no such thing as a sure thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my feelings on property. So, you know, we can split this really into two areas. So my feelings on property, if you're buying a home, a property to live in, it isn't a property you're buying, it's a home. 
you know, and the value of that is really kind of irrelevant unless you are then looking at moving on somewhere else or you are then planning on downsizing in retirement. That That's the only times that the value of your property is important. And the other side of the coin is for, like, say, a commercial investor. So somebody that's then looking at buy-to-let properties and that side of things. That's a whole other part of the conversation because if we see property values dropping, then that could not could mean it's a time where people start looking at second properties, buy additional buy-to-let properties potentially, because when they look at a buy-to-let property, it's all about return on investment or return on equity. So how much are they paying into this property compared to how much they can then get back in rental income? So if they can get that property for a cheaper price, then there's going to be more buy-to-let buyers which then can have a bit of an impact that is then potentially pushing up rental prices. It's then potentially making it harder for first-time buyers to get in and buying a property because it's being bought up by uh, investors. But it could then, in turn, push the value of prices back up. So you know, th- th- there are loads of different ways to think about property purchases. But it could be that we're we're heading for it. What I assume you would say is a, is a buyer's market in that regard. Potentially, yeah, absolutely. I I would say for quite a while it's very much been a seller's market, but the right property sells very quickly, and I think that'll always be the case. So when you see the adverts in the newspaper about the you know the huge houses or the the very very nice houses, these will always sell because there's always a market for that side mm. of things. So the, the, the right property at the right price will always sell. So yeah, potentially we are going to be moving into a buyer's market. Okay. Phil's quote of the week, fans. This is a part of the show where Phil delights us with a quote on the relevant subject topic for the show. Now, I seem to remember when we did a show on home buying before, it was the one time in, what, 108 episodes to date where he used himself for the, for the quote. And <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wonder if Andrew might go for it again here. I, I think now's a great time to bring that in. So the, the quote goes, step one, find a home you want to buy. Step two, let Phil Anderson Financial Services take care of everything mortgage-related for you. Step three, enjoy your new home. And that actually came in uh, uh, an episode which was called 10, 10 Simple Steps to Buy Your New Home. And Phil decided 10 were too many, so uh, shortened it to three. Now, uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query, so if, if you ever want to email a question to us, please do. Andrew is equally keen to answer those for you in Phil's absence. And as always, we can ask those questions anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in a second. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. I'm aware that the government has capped the energy prices going forward. I'm still going to find it quite tough, but at the charges I've been paying this far, my account is £500 in the black. Do you think I should get that now as a refund and use it against the bills for the future. Andrew? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a really interesting one because effectively you can think of it like a savings account. So if you are constantly building up, building up credits in your energy accounts, because I still don't understand why they can't do a direct debit that changes every month. But anyway, that, that's a whole <laughs> other conversation. I'm not going to go down that route. But if you're constantly building up, you could then look at it, well, If we're going into the winter, you're going to be using more energy. 
So you could then potentially eat into that 500 pounds. So you could use it as like a little piggy bank for your energy. But the issue is, if that just continues to build up and build up, and you could actually be doing with that in your bank account because you're struggling elsewhere, then that's potentially the time to be saying, right, maybe we should be taking some of this back or at least speaking to your provider saying, look, should I still be paying the same amount every month? Because this is going up every single month. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. If it constantly goes up and you don't see it coming down as winter bills kick in, then definitely have a chat with your provider saying, look, I think I'm paying too much. And can I get some of this money back? Yeah, that was going to say maybe that's a maybe that's a sensible middle ground. Say, let's say you, that uh, person there said the five hundred pounds in the black. So maybe they were in some look, go and give me three hundred back, and I'll leave two. I'll leave two hundred pounds in the pot. Absolutely, maybe, you Absolutely. know, it's it's a, it's a sort of middle ground, isn't it? I would just say as well before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far, and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 108 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. Thank you to our special guest, uh, Phil's colleague, Andrew Schooler, for deputising. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we'll be discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. Like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use real name if that is what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.